Hello and welcome to the Man on Inverclyde podcast for 2023. My name is Chris Paul and I am the founder and CEO of Man on and I'm chuffed to be your host for this podcast season. We're looking to um, really shine a light on our work, so tell people a little bit about us if you've not heard of us before. Man on Inverclyde is a suicide prevention and wellbeing charity based in Greenock. Um, we're based in Nelson Street in Greenock and we were founded in sort of early March 2020 before the pandemic. We were a grassroots organisation. We put lived experience at the centre of everything that we do. And throughout the pandemic and beyond that now, and to now we have supported hundreds of people from a local community, people who have struggled with various levels of need. Um, and we've, we've developed our wellbeing plan alongside the community, um, co-produced large parts of the work that we do, including our adult service and our young person service, and we've, we've, we've reached so many people in the community and we've developed our, our service. So we've, we've brought this podcast back because some people have been asking us to do that. Um, some of our um, people that come through the door who used to listen to it. Um, and we're going to try and find the time to get this done every month. So we're going to release one a month and we're going to shine a light on the work that we do, how people can get involved in it. And also shine a light on things like our funders and the crucial role that they play in developing our charity, but also partners within the local community. Because although we are proud of the work that we do on a day-to-day -day basis, there's some amazing organisations and charities in Inverclyde who also deserve a, a great amount of credit for the work that they do to support people. I'm a real big believer and champion in the cause of Inverclyde everywhere I go and everybody I speak to. There's a lot of negative you know, connotations about being from Inverclyde, you know, that that's a definite that's out there, that narrative. And hopefully this podcast can sort of shine a light on some of the more positive aspects of it because there's some brilliant people that live in our community. And that's what we need to cling on to. We need to we need to foster that sense of hope in community. And that's what Man On's all about. That's what we've tried to be about from from pretty much day one. Bringing the community together to try and support and move forward. Um, so yeah, hopefully you get something from this podcast episode today. Thank you very much for listening to it. And as I said, we're hoping to get a good few out um, this year and get you know one a month done. And this one today, we're going to be featuring a chat with the CEO from the Robertson Trust, um, a massive funder for us um, at Man On, and also featuring a conversation with Sam McGee, who is one of our longest-serving staff members um, who leads up our adult services. And Sam has uh, benefited from the Robertson Trust. He's, he's funded through one of their um, funds in terms of his position. So, yeah, hoping to combine both and speak about how we can support adults in our community. Thanks for listening. So hello and welcome to this part of the Man On podcast. This is the first of our funding spotlight sessions and I'm delighted to be joined by Jim McCormick of the Robertson Trust who will be sharing some of their work um, and also what they're doing in, alongside Man On. Before we introduce Jim to the um, podcast session, I'm just going to share a little bit in regards to, to what our work has been. Um, Robertson Trust has been a key funder for, for Man On and Verclyde. Um, we've accessed a grant that allows us to employ um, our uh, mental health and wellbeing coordinator, Sam McGee, um, who is also featuring on this podcast episode to talk about his work. And, and it's been a crucial fund for, for ourselves, I think, starting off as a, a, a new grassroots um, charity. Uh, you're always trying to look at what opportunities you can get for funding. 
um, and us being able to to recruit a key member of staff um, for for half the week into that post was crucial. Um, so that's our journey so far with the Robertson Trust, and we've we've had some some good chats with the the funding officers, and the the work that we do really fits with with what they do. Um, so. Uh, without further ado, I'll now introduce Jim McCormick, who is the CEO of the Robertson Trust. How are you, Jim? You okay? Good to see you, Chris. Uh, pleasure to join you. Thanks for the invitation. No, thank you. Thanks for coming. Um, it was one of the one of the sort of first funds I'd, I'd hoped to get on this um, onto our to our podcast just to share the work of of what you do because I suppose one of the main reasons that I was really keen to do it is it fits. Hugely with our journey as being a trauma-informed organisation supporting people in poverty. Um, but before we get into what the Robertson Trust is, and I'm sure you, you'll be able to tell us um, lots about that, um, I just wanted to touch on your sort of grassroots, home roots of Inverclyde. Um, so yeah, tell us a wee bit about your, your journey and your connection with Inverclyde. Uh, my dad said, Chris, uh, uh, the, the McCormick said the family from, uh, from Greenock. Um, so uh, my dad, who passed away 40 years ago now, um, grew up uh, actually close to Capelo originally, and then they moved to Larkfield when when that was being developed. Um, and various aunts and uncles who were Greenock and Gurok still have an uncle living in Gurok, and and many cousins across Inverclyde. So um, uh, definitely feel strong affinity to the area. Um, whatever the fortunes of my club, which of course is Greenock Morton. Aye, it's um, you know what for Morton it was a good good start to the season, but as usual it sort of peters off. But no, it's great to great to hear. Um you've got that link into Inverclyde and I suppose it's it's sort of will come as no surprise as to, you know, the, the level of need that, that's in Inverclyde and how important it is for, for organisations to, to get funding um, to support a lot of the, the Robertson Trust aims and objectives. Obviously, I've touched on uh, trauma and, and poverty as being, you know, a key, key indicators for the Robertson Trust. But for those that are maybe listening and, and haven't heard of the organisation before, can you maybe share a wee bit about what you guys do, what your sort of, your drive is, your passion? So the Trust has been around just over 60 years, but there have been many changes of um, direction over that period, all with the same kind of values running through them. So today our values are you know, connection, integrity, ambition. Um, and and uh, your application to us, Chris, was one, one of the, in the early days of a, of a 10 year strategy. So we're really fortunate to be able to have, you know, to the end of this decade, certainty over why we're here and, 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 and we're here as an independent grant maker. Um, uh, we think the biggest truly independent funder in Scotland. Um, and our focus is upon um, understanding the roots of poverty and trauma, getting to grips with them and getting upstream as far as we can to build better solutions um, uh, uh, with and alongside um, organisations of all shapes and sizes across the country. Um, uh, you know, we know that what, what we've tried as a country in the past hasn't always worked. If it was only about funding public services and joining them up, I think we would have made a lot more progress in, in better times. I think what we've learned is unless there's a fundamental shift in power and, and co-design, 
um, and the fact that your organisation is so strong about the role of first-hand experience, um, uh, well, that, that's why what you do, um, uh, especially the trauma-informed element of it and the leaning into people in places that have had the toughest time in terms of hardship and deep disadvantage, um, that's why there's such a good fit between your mission and what we're here for. Yeah, I totally agree. And I was sharing with you before we hit recall, we've been doing some staff development work this week and it will come as no surprise to you and anybody listening that's working within the third sector that the impact of trauma um, has came up. And and also, of course, poverty, um, generational poverty, generational trauma. But big sort of indicators for us and what we're dealing with and what we've saw is, is the cost of living um, crisis that's coming and people obviously um, experiencing um, poverty maybe for the, the first time and fuel poverty. So it's, it's um, yeah, it's very much linked, I think, with our aims, ambitions um, is, is having this this fund from from yourself because it's it's definitely what we see on a, a day-to-day basis in Inverclyde is those high levels of poverty and, and, and deprivation, unfortunately, and the impact that that can have. What would be, in terms of, obviously, your, your, your charity's focus then for the cost of living stuff in terms of people who are, are you know, our organisations that are supporting them? Most of our funding, uh, so so w- w- where your grant has come from, is through a, a, an, an, an open awards programme. We call it our funds, and there's four different strands to it, and it, it the, the doors are always open, so we don't have start and finish dates. Um, so we want to create, you know, all for to Scotland, a, a kind of flexible, hopefully agile response to need in the here and now. But about a quarter of our funding, we are earmarking for kind of longer term development work, which is trying to get more at prevention, more upstream, um, and and look at where in where in the experience of poverty and trauma. Can we identify early warning signs? So, for example, you know, children who've got a parent um, in the criminal justice system, especially if they go to prison, um, uh, uh, children and young people who have you know long-term experience of being looked after in the care system, um, uh, you know, growing up with in a family where there is complex, persistent. Um, mental ill health. You you layer that on top of the day-to-day experience of um, you know severe financial insecurity. Um, and you're and you're you're right. We do see people who were previously on a low income being dragged closer towards what we would call destitution. People who were managing just about. Before, before the pandemic, or even during the pandemic, because there was emergency support, we did have the universal credit uplift. You know, there were restrictions on evictions and so forth. Um, some of that protection, not all of it, some of that protection has been removed. And so people who had their heads above water are at risk, if not already, of being dragged below the waterline. None of that's inevitable, even as you know, a large independent funder, we're aware that what we do is only it's only a drop in the ocean unless it's a catalyst, unless we can make common cause with other funders, independent and statutory, 
um, uh, working in isolation is not going to shift this problem. Um, among the things we've done so far, and, and it's, a, it's a modest thing, Chris, is first week of December, we, we uh, were able to make an uplift to every one of our grant holders um, in proportion to charities income. So, so the smallest grassroots organisations got a bigger percentage uplift than the biggest partners we fund. We know that's only scratching the surface. We know that we have to do much more to invest beyond grant income into you know, infrastructure support for the third sector. That may be about, about, about digital capacity. It might be about governance. It might be, you know, you know, we don't know what's around the corner, um, given how much uncertainty there is in the sector. But, you know, along with, you know, Cora Foundation, Lottery, William Grant Foundation and others, we want to be trying to help to stabilise and strengthen the sector as a whole, as well as what charities need in the here and now. Um, and, and, and financial security is the first big focus of our long-term proactive funding. Sounds great. It sounds great. And I must admit, when I got the, the email for the, the grant, um, you know, the, the money in December, I, I thought that's amazing because, one, we need it. <laughs> um, obviously, yeah. with the, the cost of the building and, you know, trying to run our, our space, which is a, a really nice environment for people to come and, um, it would be a shame if we would ever, you know, have to give that up yeah. because it's, it's so important. But I thought that was great. And, and one of the, the things that I really like about the Robertson uh, Trust Fund that we have um, is, is it's over three years. Um, and I know that maybe not all of them are, are, are like that. And the hope for us is that we can evidence our, our work over that three year period and then access one of your other grants in terms of, you know, moving forward. Because, as you said, this stuff is is not... Um, it's not short term, you know, suicide prevention and supporting people that are, you know, in, in poverty and experiencing trauma is, is not something that you can do for, for a year. It's a, it's a long term project. And certainly that's been been sort of one of the, the things that, that I've enjoyed about having the grant for, for the Robertson Trust is that sort of longevity that, that, that you can sort of see ahead with it. Well, Christy, the, the, there's been a loud and clear message from charities for a long time and and we and other funders too um, have tried to commit to a set of you know trusted fair flexible funding principles one of which is we're trying to do many more unrestricted grants so not project restricted wherever possible and we're also trying to do as you say multi-annual so apart from our smallest funding strand which we call we grants for we groups apart from that which is quick micro grants typically for a year um almost everything else we do is three-year funding we'd like to do more than that so occasionally for um maybe the kind of you know strongest practice that's the most evaluated and been around the block for a while we can go up to four or five years in time we like to do that more often um, but, you know, within three years, year one's getting, finding your feet, year three is finding the next funding. We know that and, and less than that doesn't make sense for us, at least. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and this is a relatively new world for myself. Obviously, I worked in, worked in the third sector 
as a practitioner um, for since 2008, um, which although I look a lot older than that is most of my career, um, but the I've worked as a practitioner, but running a charity and leading a charity um, is a very complex job actually. Um, one that I'm loving, I'm absolutely loving what we do. I think the job that we're doing is amazing, but touching on there about sort of supporting charities and you know with governance and, and and other things i think that's absolutely crucial as well where are things at with that type of support is that something that other charities can access if they have grants with yourself so so that this kind of comes on to you know what what funders we tend to call it a funder plus you know on yeah. top of the grant payment and you know, each funder has its own approach to that um, we we have an arrangement with community enterprise, where um, either through referral or request, our grant holders can get access to you know business planning, support, strategic advice, um, that kind of support. Um, but we've also um, uh, we've we've agreed to form a a kind of pooled fund alongside another set of funders. And through SCVO and Third Sector Lab, which is about digital transformation, digital capacity, I am certain that there are other examples we'll have to support, which, which you know, to create a kind of pooled fund with some scale to it, um, which makes it much easier for for charities to 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 tap into whoever your funder is. You know, more of that pool capacity is needed. I'm really interested in your in your in your view now or later. On, on you know what what funders like us can be doing more of to to help with that some of that kind of infrastructure and, and capacity building um, and I think the answers today will be different from three years ago on the eve of the pandemic and who knows what lies ahead of us but you know we definitely have more to do um, here this this organisation and across the funding sector as a whole to to have a kind of you know, here and now understanding of what charities need. We surveyed over 500 charities a year and a half ago. Some of those answers will still be relevant and some won't. So we, we need to uh, be doing that, that kind of checking in frequently um, yeah. to understand changing partner needs. Definitely. I, th- I think for us in terms of maybe my own personal feedback is, you know, we're talking about the, the sort of longevity and I'm hoping that we are here because you know, for, for a decade, two decades, three decades, I'm hoping that we change things for the next generation and Inverclyde and we're able to remove the stigma that's that's always been there. Um, but I suppose my, my concern in the third sector is is funding and, you know, it's it's good to plan for a long time, but it's it's very much dependent on, on funding. So hopefully hopefully we can continue to be um be successful but i know that the work that we're that we're doing on the ground is 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 definitely working um for for the people that are are coming through the door but yeah stuff like that and and you know connecting organizations up together um and you know utilizing opportunities to have a wider understanding about charity governance something that i never thought i would have to have an awareness of um a few years ago um and supporting people probably like like myself i think who have got their own lived experience and passion for an idea that turns into reality and then they think well right what's next you know and I've yeah. been quite fortunate to have good guidance around me 
Um, we've got an amazing board of trustees now who are really on the ball and supporting me and and, and helping me. Um, but it's nice to know that 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 supports there from from wider places as well. Well, I mean, watch this space. We'll, we'll be we'll be we'll be doing more for sure on on that kind of wider sectoral support. The the other thing that pops into my head as you're speaking, Chris, is is you know. Uh, Trauma is is kind of the new dimension in our strategy compared to previously. It's more in the foreground than before. We're still we're still working on 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 communicating what we mean by that and learning um, how that should be reflected in what 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 we do. For sure, it involves early developmental trauma. You know what the the kind of adverse experiences that children and young people encounter. It in, it includes the kind of you know, if you like the hard edges trauma that comes from experiences of addiction, offending, homelessness, violence, um, which are which are issues that you know Scotland has a long way to go on. Um, but we can see in other parts of the world, and we can see through the violence reduction unit, a lot of progress has been made and can be made. Um, and and you know, getting getting to the roots of those experiences and breaking those cycles. You know, unless we do that, then the work we do on other aspects of poverty is kind of like having one hand tied behind your your back, and that that really is the kind of I guess the breakthrough perspective that that sits within our our strategy. And having a decade um, will not be enough, but it, it it's more than it's more than most organisations are able to commit to. And there's going to be lots of learning cycles as we go and. You know, folks like yourselves um, give us and others an opportunity to um, really understand um, uh, you know, what it takes on the ground, day in, day out, to to have a to look people in the eye and have a response to some of the really tough stuff people are experiencing. So, so thank you for the work that you do. No, thank you very much. As I say, thanks for for the opportunity, obviously, and get that initial because when you start off as an organization um as i said you start off with an idea and you get those emails where people sort of say good news about your application you've you've got the money it's like whoa somebody else believes in what i'm trying to do here and certainly that was the buzz when i got the robertson's trust one for me was probably the that was probably the one that sort of sparked everything for me i think because it was £45,000 over three years and up to then it was like a couple of a thousand pounds here and a couple of thousand pounds and it was like, right, okay, this is this is real now. This is actually a, a real thing um, and it sparked so many other parts of our service and for, for anybody sort of listening to this sort of um, episode just now who may, and I know there is people in Inverclyde and beyond that have reached out to me that are maybe sitting on an idea yeah. or they're sitting with something that they've, they've, they've been through their own journey, their own lived experience, or maybe they've started something up and they're not too sure how to go around it. Obviously, I can offer them wee bits of advice and I have done that, but what would you say to people in that position that are maybe listening to what you're saying and they're thinking, wow, that actually fits exactly with what we're doing as well? How how do I get in how do I get in touch? How do I access it? Well because so because our wee grants program is available to uh constituted groups you know, which may or may not become charities in time. There's a kind of there's a kind of grassroots early stage 
introduction level, if you like, in our funding. And what I'd what I'd love to see, it's not right for everyone, but but some of those organisations, you know, being able to move up the ladder because our, our funding is more or less in proportion to to annual income. Um, and 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 that way there's the kind of support at each stage. I would also say that for you know organisations that are ready to make an application, um, you know, get in touch with 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 our funding officers. We do um, surgery sessions that are called giving time. We've just started doing them one to one again as of yesterday. Sorry, face to face as of yesterday. Um, there are there are funding fairs that that you know come around every part of Scotland. Look out for those through the third sector interface in your area. Um, uh, I don't want you to be overwhelmed, Chris, but speak to people like Chris, <laughs> who 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 uh, who have walked in, you know, who are, who are ahead of you and um, walking the talk. Um, SCVO have some fantastic resources for you know organizations at all levels of their journey um and and you know pick up the phone speak to funders um I, i'm not saying it's always been like this because i think that if we're honest there's always been this unhelpful power dynamic in the funding sector we've got money people want the money <laughs> you know um, we've seen it in the past in, in in the really clunky artificial approach to reporting and setting targets and outcomes. And what the very positive thing is most funders are have been listening and learning and are moving towards a much more realistic, responsive approach to to um, uh, learning and understanding from our from our partners who are the ones serving the people in places we're here for. You're the ones doing the hard yards in that sense, listening and learning, adapting. Um, so we are building what we're calling an, an impact and insights framework. And it's not going to be a whole set of KPIs that we set. It's going to be co-designed with the people we trust and fund and support to help us come up with a much better way of um, amplifying the work that you do. So. Uh, Work in progress for sure. Brilliant. That sounds amazing. And I hope that if anybody is listening and they are at that stage, um, that they take that advice on. Because as I say, that it certainly um, sparked a lot of the, the work that, that we're doing um, at Man On. And we are halfway through that that grant now um and it's 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 crucial it's crucial as i said it's it's allowed us to develop so much of our well-being plan um and as i said we've got big plans to to obviously continue and evolve with that so no it's great and hopefully people have out of this sort of first funding chat um as part of the podcast um have, have got something from it because it is a big part of of life in the third sector is is funding and that's why we are are trying to to shine a spotlight on it because Sometimes not everybody's aware of what's out there. So thank you so much, Jim, for giving up your time. I know you're you're very busy, um, but giving up your time and and coming on and having a chat about um about the work that the Robertson Trust do and how important that is. Just absolute pleasure and all the best to everyone at Manon and Verclyde. Thanks, Jim. Thanks. Take care. Yeah. 
So I'm now joined by Sam McGee, who is the Adult Services Lead Practitioner at Man on Inverclyde. It was previously the Mental Health and Wellbeing Coordinator, but now it's got a real focus on our adult services, um, sort of class of adult services, sort of 18 plus. So Sam has been with us on this journey from more or less a starting point, to be fair, um, when we became an organisation. Um, and I've invited Sam along today to let him talk a wee bit about his journey, why he get involved with Man On, um, and crucially, what he does at Man On and how he sort of contributes to the wider work that we do, which is preventing suicides in Inverclyde. So, welcome Sam, how are you doing my man? I'm good mate, how are you? I, I'm good, I'm good, cheers for doing this, I know you're, I know you're a busy guy, um, and we need to contend with the noises obviously in the background, uh, which is Nelson Street in Greenock and the busy road that it is, but... Um, appreciate you coming and doing this, um, and hopefully it will give anybody listening to it just a wee flavour of the work that you do. So before we get into the work stuff um, and talk about you know the job that you've been doing over the last period of time, can you tell people a wee bit about yourself? You were on one our podcast before, if anybody listened to, to one and Sam spoke about his experiences with, with sort of mental health. So I'm going to ask him to delve a wee bit into that again, um, but not as long as time, just... Um, just a wee insight into yourself, mate, if possible. Aye, of course. So my sort of journey started, obviously, in my military career, um, with mental health issues and anything related to mental health issues, really. Uh, a lot of PTSD and trauma surrounding sound, surrounding that area, um, which obviously led to me going through my own journey, uh, my own sort of journey of self-discovery to find out who I actually am and what makes me tick as a person. Um, unfortunately, I, I've had a, a few friends that weren't so fortunate and they, they sort of lost their battle uh, with their mental health and completed suicide. So that's the sort of, that sort of spurred me on to, to question more and to actually delve in and actually look at, you know, like, what's going on, not, not just in like the armed service community, but what's going on in my community? Uh, how can I help people when they're in that dire need? People that haven't got a chance to sort of speak up and, you know, they've not got a voice. So that, that's what I wanted today. I didn't, I wasn't looking for a job. I was quite happy driving bin trucks for the local council and being a bin man. I was, I was more than happy to do that. But I wanted to do a wee bit more in my spare time to help those who haven't got a voice and help those in my community who are struggling with suicidal thoughts and behaviours. Nothing to do with a job, just just to create that sort of impact and create that help that was needed. So I obviously, you know, Sam, we've been on that journey together in terms of doing the volunteering. We we um, were both volunteers for a period of time, and Robertson Trust gave us the the sort of nod, if you like, to develop something over a longer period of time, and they gave us a three year fund and. Um, obviously, your job at that point um, was voluntary. You, you know, your role at that point was voluntary. Um, then went for, the, obviously, the, the interview for, for this post to take it forward. And you were selected, obviously, by myself and the, the interview panel that was there. And we selected you based on your drive as a volunteer and also your lived experience, which is a big model for us, and, and also your willingness to, to go and evolve as a, a professional within this world. 
Um, you obviously went and done your, your COSCA, which is obviously introduction to counselling skills, which gives you that basic level um, of, of support. And I think the good bit about yourself being in this role is we've always made it really clear we're not counsellors, we're not therapists, we're a very different approach to people in our community. And I felt that your lived experience that you've touched on um, so far has been a massive help. But can you just shed a wee light into sort of what your role is and how that sort of works on a day-to-day basis? Obviously, the main bit is is keeping people safe, but how does that sort of develop week to week? Aye, no problem. So from when I started in here, it was just I came in to run a peer support and then it just gradually evolved uh, into a number of different things. We went and did some training courses uh, and then obviously we are saying I got I got the job, but the most important thing for me um, for the people coming through the doors is maintaining the relationship, building the trust, you know, and uh, making sure that everybody that's coming through this door has got that safe space and safe environment where they can open up about anything that's going on in their life and meeting them uh, at their level, no matter what that looks like. If they're having a good day, then we'll meet them and have that good day with them, uh, support them through that. If they're having a bad day and they're having one of the worst days they've had, then it's meeting them at their level and just knowing that they've got that support and just knowing that they're safe when they're getting that support and opening up as well. And we do that through active listening, uh, being very transparent and open with them, being very transparent and open with our journey as well, because I feel as if, uh, well, everybody in here feels as if, you know, your own lived experience uh, can help and encourage others to open up and be more vocal and it empowers them uh, to, to reach that place where they don't feel as if they can get on their own. So 100%, with somebody not holding their hand through something but meeting them shoulder to shoulder uh, and just walking them through their journey with them we do that in here every single week we've got some guys in here who come for six seven weeks and that's enough for them we've got guys that we've been working with for the last two two and a bit years uh, since we were volunteers uh, and we're part of their routine and we're part of their positive routine that helps them and helps their journey and helps with their mental health because they know that they can come here and they can get a safe place to open up. It's a a sense of community that we've tried to build, I think, and I I think your service, obviously, in terms of the adult service, is a shining light of being able to do that. You know, we've gave people a hope in the pandemic, um, but also when that sort of started to, you know, release in terms of the restrictions, I think we, we we built on that sense of community. And as you said, we've got people who have been coming to us from that period of time, dipping in and out of our groups, dipping in to see that each other, peer support. Um, and I think that's been a big part of that trauma-informed approach, you know, is, is just try to empower people to have the tools in their own journey, trying to work with other organisations to signpost people into, you know, other other support specialist help. But vast majority of people that come to us just need a wee space to connect um, and need that relationship and I think that's what you and the team have worked really well at day in and you know that the, the way the Robertson Trust Fund came in for us it sort of planted the seeds for other stuff you would, we were able to then develop that as a service and then now we've got another 11 staff members mm-hmm. um, currently um, working for us and, and well over sort of 20 volunteers across all the services and I think a lot of that comes down to the work that, that you've done, along with myself, I, early doors, but a lot of the work that you've done to develop that. Um, how does it feel to see it as it is now, considering, you know, when we first thought about this and looking at it now? <laughs> it's actually weird, because I think I spoke to you before about this, where people come up to you and say, what you're doing is absolutely amazing, and you're just like, oh, is it? 
because you, you're, you're in it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel as if you don't get a chance to actually reflect on the impact that you're actually making uh, within a community. But when you do take a wee step back and you reflect on what you've brought to the table and how you've helped people and how you've supported some of the most fragile people within your community, you know, it does. It makes you feel proud and it makes you feel it's like a blessing because we're in a, a very fortunate position where we can help those who sometimes struggle with loneliness, struggle with asking for help, asking for that support. And uh, it's just, I, I don't know, it's just, uh, it can get quite emotional at times, mm-hmm. thinking about it, thinking about where we started and where we are right now. It's like night and day. No, I know, no. I know. I was reflecting on it with somebody this morning and somebody that didn't know anything about us. And um, I was talking to them about what, what we do and they, they couldn't quite believe the level of where we're operating at in terms of, you know, income and all that other stuff like mm-hmm. but what I said which was so important and I believe that is so important is we've got our ears on the ground in terms of what happens in our community we're free here we're you know we're passionate about Inverclyde that gets battled for pillar to post as we know in terms of media and there's a lot of negative stories going about recently obviously about a lot of stuff and you know for, for me there's so many positive shining lights in Inverclyde and I think one of the things that I'm proudest of doing is creating an organisation like Man On, which has actually showcased that by every single volunteer that's came through our doors, being from Inverclyde, having their own lived experience of adversity and turning it into a positive. Now, as I said, we're not therapists, we're not, I don't claim to be, um, I don't want to be <laughs> as much as <laughs> as much as they do amazing work. That's not what my bag is. My bag is, you know, fostering a sense of hope within a community and thinking of a wider picture. And I think that's what we're able to do. And as much as we've grown, the thing that I'm proudest of the most is the fact that we've actually stayed the same. You know, we've stayed humble and and what we want to do, we want to, you know, be that lived experience grassroots organisation. We want to support the people who are voiceless. Um, and I think for me, that's what we need today. We need to continue today. Definitely, mate. I think I think from from the start anyway. You know, we we had an idea of um, what we we're going to do, what it was actually all about, and. As you say, we've not really steered that away from that. It's created a foundation for us to build on top of. So, for example, like we run certain groups within a community and we run certain groups inside the centre as well. Uh, if one of the groups isn't working for whatever reason, we've always got something to fall back on and we've got our foundation. And it means that we can go back and we can have a look at stuff, see what's going wrong, see what's going right, uh, and implement stuff. Whereas when we see fit, which I think's, I think's good as well. But no, definitely, like if you've got that foundation, you've got a clear marking, a clear understanding of what's required within a community and how do we develop that and how do we develop that with time. Like I'm not saying like, look where we were two years ago. Where are we going to be this time in two years? Do you know what I mean? But I know for a fact that in two years' time, in five years' time, we're going to have the same foundations that this was built on. Definitely. And I, and I think it's important we stick with that and, you know, obviously we're doing part of the part of this um, podcast, really, why we wanted to bring it back was to spotlight our services, but also spotlight how important it is for funders. But one thing I wanted to spotlight on this one, because it's the first one, is just how much the Inverclyde community is kind of taking us in, you know, and, and really supported what we're doing, understanding what we're doing. Um, you know, we, we, we want to continue to have that, that buy-in from the community. It's so important, and I think we do that by being true to what we, what we started out for. So, Definitely. without a doubt. Now, 
part of the podcast that we've done the last time, we had some people who regularly listen to it. Um, not saying that we're you know Joe Rogan types or anything like that, but we had a group of group of oh, men, yeah. a group oh, of yeah. men who reached out who um would regularly listen to it. Um, and they would message me on a regular basis and say it really helped them and you know they were they were struggling and podcast kind of got them through and stuff which was which was nice. Um, what I'll say to those guys if you're listening and anybody else, any new people, young people, women, whoever, anybody that's listening, um, and, and you want to reach out to us, you can do that and we can have a chat because that's what this podcast is aimed at. But certainly, Sam, for people that are listening who are maybe listening to the podcast that they know about man on or maybe thinking about getting some help for themselves, what would your advice be to them just now? My advice would be, you know, like just as hard as it can be, and I know for past experience myself, and that's what I'm self-reflecting on me, uh, when I never opened up, when I should have opened up, when I did, it was such a, it, it was like a breath of fresh air, it was, I can't even describe the feeling, because I felt as if there was no one there that I could turn to for support and turn to for help, and when I actually did, my life changed, literally my life changed with within that, five, ten minute conversation that I had. And that can happen to anybody that's out there that isn't reaching out, that feels as if no one wants to listen or nobody's going to take the time to sit and talk to them. You know, I've sat in here and talked to guys for two or three years. You know, I've helped people through suicide attempts. I've helped people in a number of different ways. Uh, Come and chat, come and have a word. You know, you're not on your own. We are building a good sense of community within here. We are building our own community within Man On as well. Come and have a word. Doesn't matter if you're a young person, female, male, we've got somebody in within this building that will suit whatever it is that you need to get off your chest. So please just come and chat. It is better to chat than keep it in. Ah, just to reiterate that, we're on crisis support every Monday, every Friday. Um, we put it on our social media any times that that's not able to happen for whatever reason. But every Monday and every Friday, it's a drop-in for you to come and have a chat. And your crisis is your own individual crisis. We don't deem anything, you know, up or down with that. If you come and you have a, a plan or thought about suicide, we can support with that with external help um, as well. But if you come and you're just struggling, we can support that too. So there's plenty of options there. And part of this podcast season, if you like, what I'm going to be doing, spotlighting on funding, but also spotlighting on what else is out there in Inverclyde. And we know that there's other organisations like Mind Mosaic, who, who we tie in with for, for the adult services, um, for, for the COSCA courses. Yeah. Um, but we know they provide you know crucial support for adults. Um, they also have a, a young person's charity it supports you know at a, a really high level as well um, and we've been tying in recently with Safe Harbour organisation so these organisations are out there so if you're listening to this and you're from Inverclyde and you're not sure about them look them up you know they're on they're on social media they've got contact details there um, and that they've all got different levels of support that, that can help um, if you don't feel man ones for you our main thing is that you know you get out of help somewhere um, and, and hopefully you do so thanks, Sam, for coming on. Um, get you back on um, to talk about different stuff. I think we're going to do a wee spotlight on the Football Therapy Project um, in a couple of months' time, um, and we'll talk about that a wee bit more in depth. But certainly from an adult sort of well-being perspective, if you're struggling, please get in touch, and it'll be Sam that will take that forward. Um, but thank you for listening. Cheers for your time, Sam. Oh, cheers, mate. Thank you. Oh, oh,